the Bayou City, known for its southern food and hospitality. Houston is a city that vows to never leave you hungry. This is the radio show powered by food. Gross. Live from the ACU of Texas Studios in Clear Lake, this is Bayou City Eats with your host, Chef Brantley Still. Hey, good afternoon. It is Thursday, November 8th, and we are on the downhill side, sliding into Thursday, into the weekend. Looking forward to it. Hey, welcome to the show. Welcome to Bayou City Eats, the food show by chefs, for chefs, and most importantly for you, uh, the folks listening who love great local food. Thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Chef Brantley Steele. We have got an amazing show for you today. We've got a great local chef on. And I'm not sure how your world works, uh, but for me anyway, if I'm not in the kitchen, if I'm not dealing with a big event on my end, and I happen to squeak by and get a weekend, about Thursday afternoon or so is when the doldrums kick in and the brain starts rolling into, what am I doing this weekend? And so kind of that's what we're hoping to do with this radio program. We're hoping to bring it to you, our listeners, and let you guys have some insight, some input into what's happening in your community, local restaurants that are faves, local chefs that you've run into. We want to get them on the radio and let them talk about who they are, what they do, and move in that direction. You know, you ask yourself the question, what do I want to eat or drink this weekend? And I'm never, I'm never, never amazed enough by the fact that there are constantly restaurants and chefs and dishes and specials and things that I haven't even heard about. And I'm in the industry. Sometimes I feel like I'm completely out of the loop because I'm stuck in my kitchen. So hopefully this program will be another great way to meet folks like you. And as we move forward on this, I want to take just a quick second and tell you about our sponsor. Um, our sponsor today, I'm honored to be able to work for our sponsor um, I spoke with the owner of Bayou City Event Center in Houston. Some of you have maybe heard of it. Some of you have not. I know even for myself, it was like, where is this place? Bayou City Event Center is the largest privately owned event venue in the city of Houston. And uh, it's located off a of 9401 Night Road in Houston, Texas. You can look them up on the website at BayouCityEventCenter.com. And they're centrally located right off of the 610 Loop adjacent to Reliance Stadium. It's an amazing facility, customizable for your needs. And I'm proud to be the chef that heads up the interior catering department for that. We can customize a meal for you to fit pretty much any any item that you want, any kind of motif that you want. Give us a call. Check it out. Check out BayouCityEventCenter.com. The other thing I wanted to tell you is uh, on upcoming uh, episodes, very shortly, we're going to be able to join our listeners, uh, join a community, listener community. We're working on a Facebook page and Instagram, some of those kind of great social media contacts so that we can hear from you. Because to be quite honest, we need your help. We want to know what you want us to talk about. We want to know which people, which restaurants you want us to bring in. And um, I've done enough of that blabbing today. So let's talk about who our guest is. We've got a great show for you today. Today we have the local chef and owner, Chris Anstead. Welcome to the show, Chris. 
Thanks for having me. I appreciate be having you on. Awesome, man. I just caught uh, Chris on another radio program the other day. It was great. That's why I'm excited to have him. He is the chef and owner of Southern Boy Cafe. Probably heard of it. It's at 109 Meadow Parkway in League City, Texas, 77573. He can be reached there. And um, Chris, I'd just love to have you on the show. We're going to talk about uh, what it takes to be a chef. Some of the insides, you and I as chefs, we've already been talking even before the show, laughing about some of the things that people just wouldn't even realize that happen. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Chris, where you're from, what's going on in your world? Well, um, I originally grew up in, uh, born in Illinois, grew up in Indiana. Uh, so I'm a Yankee. I hate to say that out loud, owning a Southern restaurant, but it's the truth. Well, at least you got to Texas. I did. I got here about 21 years ago. Um, I've been in this industry off and on for over 30 years. Um, I did do some culinary school. Um, so I've been around the block in the restaurant business. I've sold wholesale seafood. Um, so what school did you go to? I did uh, classes at Ivy tech. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. Butchering classes and sauce classes and all that kind of good stuff. So it gave me a good foundation that I trained under some really good chefs, you know, old school chefs that right you got to go peel 80 pounds of shrimp and then, then we'll put you on the line absolutely i think that's the key to it in in my own experience i haven't had the years quite that you have but i had some fantastic chefs give me an opportunity um it wasn't a pleasant opportunity i'll no. say that right off the bat one of my first gigs uh, exactly what you just said i was uh, sort of testing i didn't realize that i was doing a stage for this guy i didn't even really understand what that meant but he had me in the kitchen and he was peeling carrots and man, i was working to peel those carrots just precision i wanted them pristine and finally somebody had some mercy on me one of the other chefs came over and whispered in my ear they're timing you <laughs> so oh, yeah. it's like 50 pounds of carrots all of a sudden i am busting butt to try to peel those carrots so that's that's fantastic. Um, tell me a little bit about some of those chefs and what they may have had an influence on you. Were they uh, traditional? Were they of uh, uh, French influence? What do you think impacted you the most in the beginning, anyway, particularly? Well, you know, I, I started out as a uh, line and prep chef for a, a restaurant called George's Place in Indy, which is no longer there, um, but they were a very high-rated steakhouse. You know, everything was sold by the ounce and a la carte. Right. Similar to some of the restaurants we obviously have here. Absolutely. Um, and I made salads in the morning. I made soups and kind of learned all of that from Barry, who was the chef at the time. And uh, eventually worked my way up by peeling shrimp. And that was, you know, the first thing every day yep. was, okay, as soon as you can peel shrimp the right way, then we'll let you do <laughs> you something else. You know, can you make a salad the proper ounceage and can Absolutely. you put the right amount of carrot and so it's pretty and, and what kind of soups and how are you going to make your roux? How are you going to thicken it? Are you going to use cornstarch? Are you going to do this? So it, it, it was a big learning phase. I worked there for two years, I think from the time I was 18 to 20. It's an amazing life lesson. I've got a, a chef friend of mine that actually gave me my true real start. Um, he's got a couple of books out and he was... He almost was uh, a little bit of a muse. He always had a real sage advice about things. And one of the things that he had talked to me about, he came through all the struggles of the kitchen. And he really compared the kitchen to life in general, the, the friction, the stress, the heat, the grace, the mercy that comes with it. And I don't think people realize, maybe even our listeners, those diners sitting out there, whether it's a, a cafe or a fast food or a formal fine dining, 
I don't think that people really have a realistic concept of what you and I and others as chefs have to deal with, how important those relationships were early on to mold you as a person, because it takes grit to work a line. I mean, you're on it your feet, does. you're moving, you're under the pressure and the stress constantly, but there's almost this fantastic adrenaline rush joy that comes from, you know, winning, getting through the night, getting through the service. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of people have a misconception of being a chef, even the title chef. There's a lot of fantastic movies out there. Don't get me wrong. I love the movie Chef. I, I love movie. all of those. But the, the downside to that is that they don't see some of the, let's just say, the war pains that go on with that. You and I were just talking, Chris, a little while ago about how simple it is to even get hurt in the kitchen. And you got to keep going. Yeah. It burns, cuts, scrapes, knocks, you name it. you got to really keep going. It's it's sort of a brotherhood or sisterhood of scars and battle wounds. Absolutely. When I first opened the restaurant, opening day, 9 a.m., nine stitches in my finger. Oh, my God. And at the beginning of this restaurant, I didn't have another chef. I was doing double shifts. So Absolutely. I was there 15 hours a day for probably the first six weeks before I hired anybody or would trust anybody to get in my kitchen and cook my recipes. Right. And so 9 a.m., first morning, I'm chopping. I think I was chopping onions. Boom, nine stitches. Had to wait till 2.30 till I got somebody that could watch the grill. Right. You know, that was competent enough at least to just watch the grill for a half an hour while I ran over to urgent care, got stitches, went back to work, and continued working. So. And, and if your first aid kit was anything like mine, I was just searching for a piece of electrical tape to wrap around my finger. I ended up using with duct a paper, tape. With yeah. a paper towel and yep. keep on going. Put yep. enough pressure that you could stop and slap a couple gloves on. And, and that's and, exactly what it was. I think every chef who's ever come through or worked anywhere has heard the old war story of the, the tarred, hard, hard-nosed line cook that some young guy was working, cutting, and took his tip of his finger off. And he's standing there in shock. <laughs> and the chef comes over and he says, just put it on the flat top. That's right. And sear that thing. I don't know whether that ever happened or not, but I can certainly picture it happening. Oh, in, I can see it happening before. for sure. So what about from uh, uh, the perspective of where you've been as a young chef? I know you and I were talking again before the show, kind of comparing notes, and I've had some past experience where I've worked with different chefs, different kitchens, different environments, like currently, you know, institutional food or this, this big conglomerate giant place that I serve food right now. I serve things in bulk, large quantities. So that took a different mindset. What about fine dining? What about catering? Is there an avenue or a niche, something that you have a passion for that you've done in the past like that? You know, I've really done a little of everything. Um, We do a lot of catering right now um, with uh, Perry Homes. Oh, okay. So anytime they, they debut a new model or a new development, we go out and do catering for them. That's awesome. We do a couple of months, generally. Um, they've been a really good supporter of ours. Um, so it's nice to get out there and, and throw out some unique foods that I don't normally do in this kitchen. I love that, yeah. And, you know, we might do, a, like this weekend, we're doing one for them, and we're doing a boudin stuffed pork loin wrapped in bacon. Wow. And turkey. So we're going to do like an old school traditional Thanksgiving dinner with the non-traditional proteins. Now, your other show that I mentioned uh, earlier that I watched you on, you were actually tasting and sampling what appeared to be pretty Cajun food, and yet you're telling me you're a Yankee. So where did that come into play? Um, I guess it kind of just – I didn't grow up eating any of that in Indiana. No. And, <laughs> I wouldn't think you so. Know, it, it, we, we didn't even have good Mexican food in, in, in Indiana. <laughs> right. You know, We had right. chain restaurants, and that was it. And so when I got down here – 
you know, it probably took me five or six years to get on board with stuff and, and different foods. And now I just want to try everything. Right. And I have just fallen in love with Southern cuisine. And, and I love, you know, we use redfish. We don't use catfish in our kitchen at Southern Boy. And so it's nice to have that mild white fish that just tastes delicious. Absolutely. Are you uh, focusing in? And in the next segment coming up, guys, we're going to talk a lot more with uh, Chef Chris about Southern Boy, about the menu, and about some of the styles of food that you can expect to find there right now. So stay tuned for that. We're coming up on that in just a minute or two. But do you find that the local uh, fare, whether it be local seafood, produce, et cetera, uh, I'm, I'm guessing you have a heart and a passion for helping to support local surplus of that kind of thing. Where does that stand in your menu now, or maybe even in what you used to do? You find that is a better avenue for you? I, I do definitely. You know, we buy all of our, our, our seafood comes local. Um, we go right down to Kima and we pick it out ourselves or That's I do, or, or my, my other chef does. Right. And, uh, I've got another amazing chef, Rodney, who does a phenomenal job. He helps out with the menu. He helps out now. I've got a really good trust factor for him. And I haven't had that a lot. Sure. In, That's tough to get. It is. It, it is. It's challenging to get. And he does a lot of the Cajun food. He's a Louisiana. He's from Louisiana. So he makes etouffee and he makes. Awesome. You know. Uh, Starts a roux. Jambalaya does all of that stuff for us. So. That's great. He, he's, a good, he's a good fit to have. You know, being there. a chef, you almost. And again, I, did, I don't want to keep reiterating this, but I just. I want people to understand where the passion comes from, where the emotion comes from. And it being a chef is, it's not just being the title chef. It's, you know, that's kind of a generic title. That just means you're the manager, you're the boss. But in the kitchen, you have to be the dad, the brother, the counselor, the, I mean, the fix-it person, the first aid guy, the cheerleader. You kind of have to be it all, do it all. And my past experience, anyway, I've had all kinds of crazy jobs ever since the military, and they've all come to play in the kitchen. Yeah. But I think it's a really important thing that you said, finding a decent team, a trustworthy team, because turnover in the restaurant industry is horrendous. Not to mention that if you pay them on Friday, unfortunately, there's, you know, there can be a little story there where they don't show up again until sometime. <laughs> I learned that the hard way. Week. And that's why I pay on Mondays. There you go. Pay on Mondays. That's funny. I, I would never have thought that until I actually was working in the restaurant as a line cook. I was working my way up. And it just happened to be at a, a local French-owned restaurant here in Houston. I got a great opportunity during Houston Restaurant Week. And I just wanted out of the commercial kitchen. Those hours allowed me to work some nights and weekends for this guy. And I was totally blown away when I got a phone call that said, guess what? You're on the line tonight because. And then I heard the story behind it. And somebody was downtown let's just put it that way yeah <laughs> they were downtown and they were working their way back into coming next week so you and i've shared that uh, experience also for sure well listen we've got a couple seconds left in this uh, segment on the next uh, segment we're going to be talking to chef chris a little bit more about southern boy cafe once again that's southern boy cafe at 109 meadow parkway it's in league city texas so i want to talk a little bit about family i don't think people realize that there is a real true chemistry uh, an emotional chemistry that goes into food and i know you've tasted it i know that you our listeners have tasted you know exactly what i'm talking about mm -hmm. grandma's pie or grandma's turkey or whatever it happened to be whatever memory just insert your family memory here their food just always tasted better than the next certain restaurants 
you just know there's emotion there. There is love in that food. And it's the same physical, agree or disagree, it's the same physical technique, but there's something magical about the emotion of being a person, a human who cares, who's passionate about their food. And I think a lot of that comes from who you are as a chef, your family. You and I talked a little bit a while ago. You have children? I do. Okay. And you are married at this point? I am not. Not single dad, so raising kids, struggling with raising more kids in the restaurant. Uh, in your yeah, kitchen. to say the least. That's awesome. And um, brothers and sisters, tell us a little bit about that. Well, I've got uh, two daughters, Hannah and Allie. Uh, one's 20. Uh, she is uh, up in Colorado right now thinking about going to pastry school, oh, which sweet. dad's super happy about, and helping out with her grandmother that uh, is, has some onset dementia. Okay. And so she's up there trying to help out and do what she can. And That's then I've awesome. got. Allison, my 14-year-old, who's here local and goes to Creek. Okay. And uh, she is the biggest avenue in my life right now that uh, if I'm not at the restaurant, I try to be with her and, and my amazing girlfriend, Jamie. Awesome. So, And so these three ladies in your life, are they always like, Chris, Dad, sweetheart, <laughs> what are you cooking for us? Yeah, when I get to cook, it, it's, you know, they... I've got a, the pickiest child in the world. My 14-year-old doesn't like proteins for the most part. Wow. I can get her to eat grilled chicken occasionally, doesn't like barbecue, and she's gluten-free. She's got a gluten allergy. And, wow. Uh, so she, she makes my life difficult So she presses your creativity button a little she bit. She does a lot. Yeah. Like I you know, finally figured out that I could really make mac and cheese without flour and making a roux and did it with a cornstarch. Oh, instead, okay, same texture. Yeah, same texture. Awesome. It came out really good, and she's like, okay, you should make this a lot more, Dad. You should make like, it a lot more. Because it doesn't take an hour to make, you know, a cream sauce and then right. turn around and get all your, your cheese sauce, I should say, and then turn around and get your gluten-free noodles out. and which Well, and, you know, that's, I mean, that's a, a great topic in and of itself because there's so many guests that come to the restaurants these days who really are aware of what they can or can't eat or preferences. And in the restaurant, to be able to cater to someone like that, to be creative enough and thoughtful enough to have something on the menu, I think is a real feather in your cap for you. And do you find that people are attracted to that in the restaurant? Are you asking for it? Yeah, I really do. And, and especially with keto also, not only just the gluten-free, but everybody's doing keto Absolutely. right now. I'm on um, the wagon. I'm on the wagon. Yeah, you and I, I've been on it. So, and I, I don't know if I'm necessarily keto. I'm just low carbing it. Absolutely. Um, I've been doing it for a while, so I've lost 71 pounds. And wow, that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And uh, so, but we do, we do cater to those keto, you know, we've got a pork chop and we've got our redfish comes with sweet potato hash and green beans. Right. So there's no, there's no gluten to it. Absolutely. You know, so people can come into Southern Boy, they can have multiple choices of what they can eat. And not have to sit there like, well, that looks really good. Wish I could have it. So exactly. we can make this really good Well, the last really thing you want is for too. somebody to feel left out, especially if they're there with friends or if they're there for a party, a, you know, a family get-together. Having those kind of things on your menu and available shows the forethought that you as the chef and the owner want those people to feel welcome and comfortable. When, when I ask about the, the soulful side of that, the cooking side of that, did you have anybody in your family? I, I had my grandmother that always was kind of a – a reference point for me. I think that's kind of where I have some great fond memories in in Thanksgiving as an example coming up. Those memories, that food, that cooking that brought the family together, you're essentially bringing people together in your restaurant 
who who did you maybe have an influence on uh, well, by in your family? I, I think definitely my grandmother. She still made the greatest pancakes I've ever eaten. Right, I can't make them for nothing. And she made heavenly rice. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard of heavenly rice, but no, go ahead. It's white rice, whipped cream, marchino cherries, and pineapple uh, all mixed together. And okay. It's just a really cool. De- Cool dessert, uh, almost like a uh, rice pudding, so to it, speak. It kind of is, yeah, awesome. but it just uses that. Where was that she from? Um, she was from Illinois. Okay, um, a little town called Dwight up in Illinois yeah. of three thousand people. Um, my mom and my aunt were both big influences in my cooking, in cooking, and you know, my mom's got her banana pudding named after her on my menu. So, oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you have a lot of people come just for the bread pudding, uh, for the banana pudding, for banana pudding. Yeah, yep. excuse me. And we've had another big hit. I started making cobblers and i am certainly the last one that wants to bake anything but talk to me about that how how, how do those look what are they we um is that we an individual portion course? or are you doing a large we size, do a large or? portion and then put it into like a soup cup okay i guess would be the easiest way to put it sure and uh, alamode hot alamode if you want it awesome so we only buy bluebell ice cream Fantastic. we are in texas texas <laughs> so uh, we definitely have vanilla ice cream from bluebell on the uh, menu but um you know, we, we vary it each week. We might have peach or blackberry. Our blackberry has been the biggest hit. Yeah. And and what people, you know, they, they always come in, oh, you don't have blackberry. Well, blackberries are very expensive. So you got to catch them when you can get them on a good price. Right. Because we still have to make a profit in, in, in this industry. I've got to be able to pay the rent and for the restaurant and for my house and be able to take paychecks home. So, Absolutely. Um, well, and margins are so slim. Uh, pricing of produce. Uh, vegetable fruit doesn't really matter what your item is that you're buying from your purveyors the the margins are so slim these days you have to be so competitive the other thing too i think is just because something's available doesn't necessarily mean that it's ripe and right and perfect correct for the flavor that you're expecting to get my great grandmother um did a blueberry pie that i've never tasted before in my life it was the you know, it really turned me on to home baked pies. Yeah. But she only did it at certain times. And if we weren't family vacationing during the time when those blueberries were ripe for picking, you didn't, didn't have blueberry pie. Yeah. That was just one of the ways. And I think for restaurants, too, uh, as much a little bit in the industry I'm in, when we do large plated meals, um, you know, I might be sitting down speaking with a client months from when that meal is actually going to happen. And early on, I really got my butt in a sling a couple times because I was being Mr. Sheffy and I was telling them about all this exciting stuff we could do. And I quoted things to them and actually provided it to them at the tasting only to realize later, oh, my gosh, that's not available. Or it's coming from someplace that the quality was less than what I really wanted it to. So I'm guessing that for you as a chef, that kind of gives you inspiration and and creation ability because as new things come up as new purveyors offer stuff you're able to kind of modify do specials on your menu i'm guessing you have a fixed menu plus yeah and then we do yeah we have a fixed menu and it changes seasonally um so we'll be coming out with our winter menu here probably in the next two weeks um we don't do a whole lot of change we'll add you know we change our salad seasonally sure um we might do a daily soup as it's getting cooler you know i make chili i've won some Pretty good awards with my chili. Right. Um, we sold, I did it a couple of weeks ago when the, the first cold front hit and we sold two gallons in a day. Talk to me about that because, uh, you know, Texas and chili. No beans. Yeah, there you go, right? No beans. Is that your preference? No beans? No, I like beans. I'm a Yankee. Again, it's that <laughs> whole Yankee go. thing up north. We always put beans in our chili, but yeah. you come down here, um, 
we just I, I don't put it's beans in it. my chili. I, I may at home when I'm cooking, or I might add them to my own bowl. But absolutely, my kids don't like. You beans. know, it, it drives me crazy too. And bless her heart, my my wife loves chili. She likes to make chili at home. And you know, I'd ask you about the girls and if you were cooking or not. I don't know about you, but sometimes. Being in the kitchen for the hours that we both know it's required. Sometimes the last thing I want to do is go home and be in my own kitchen and cook anything. Not to mention, I'm used to cooking for thousands. I can't make anything for two of us anymore. Oh, I know that feeling. It's such a challenge. But, you know, she will make chili. The chili's great. And then she wants to put ketchup in it. What? She she has to <laughs> I know she that and my good friend another good friend of mine whose name will be anonymous, but I have cooked some of the best steaks at home in a, a skillet. We need to talk about that too. How you oh, like your steak? Okay, I'm, I'm good. I'm with talking that. cast iron, seared, the only way to finish in the oven. I do this beautiful steak. I go way over budget and buy great meat. Have these friends over, and he looks at me across the table and real softly says, "I'm sorry." Do you have ketchup? I'm like, you are not putting ketchup I know. on this steak. But no, my wife likes ketchup in her chili. I'm cool with hot sauce. You know, uh, there's a whole plethora of sauces you could put in there. Yeah. But don't don't mess up good, slow-cooked Texas chili with ketchup. I agree with you 100%. <laughs> Anything else like that that rings a bell? That t- I know as a restaurateur, you know, you can't get too chefy because you want people to enjoy the food yeah but sometimes you put a lot of energy and thought into the creation of how it's supposed to look how it's supposed to balance the flavors yeah what is my starch what is my protein and then they want to change it up on you well you know what's funny we we do a so we do two gravies we have a a smothered steak that southern thing again right um and we do a homemade brown gravy and then we also do chicken fried chicken and we do a jalapeno, white jalapeno gravy. Oh, man, I'm in for that. And more people will get that gravy on the side because they think it's so hot. And the, what you got to understand is we're not using pickled jalapenos. And a lot of that heat comes out when you pickle the jalapenos, when, that, when the membranes and the seeds are, are heated. Sure. That's when your heats are really coming out. So we use one good-sized jalapeno in a batch of our gravy. We're looking for the flavor, not the heat. We don't want to burn your mouth out. Absolutely. And that's the same principle as, you know, we do a hot sauce aioli that we make. And we use it on our redfish because we serve it on a bed of sweet potatoes. And are you making aioli for, that's our great kitchen term, but that's basically a house-made mayonnaise, I'm guessing, right? Correct. Yes. And talk to us a little bit about that. Where did that come from? Was that just an inspiration of your own, or are you kind of picking up off of something else you've had before? So the opening night that... um, when I bought this restaurant, I was the chef there prior to. Okay. And the couple that owned it, great people, amazing. They ended up getting a divorce and didn't want to run it anymore. And gotcha. I, I bought it and um, was some help with some really nice investors that I have. Awesome. Because nobody does it on their own. Right. That's um, it. <clears throat> but uh, it was our kind of our preamble of invite all your friends and family have them come in and taste your menu the the soft opening the whoops we invited too many soft yeah opening. way too many people <laughs> um like we were over capacity by about 25 so oh my gosh yeah it's just one of those things and i looked at my shrimp and grits and i went oh crap i didn't make a sauce for the grits what am i going to put on it i didn't make a sauce for the redfish what am i going to put on it right and i'm like all right bring me my vitamix we're gonna make some aioli we're going to do hot sauce in it, a little right. garlic, a little salt and pepper. And it came out really, really well. But people think because it's got hot sauce in it that it's spicy. Right. Just looking for a flavor. 
it's the flavor of the hot sauce that we want to balance out the sweetness of the sweet potatoes. Right. I love it. And it's the same thing. We used to saute green beans and we, we do fresh green beans with most of our proteins. Right. Um, I just like green beans. They're affordable. That helps me keep the prices down on the menu for our, our patrons. Sure. But now we deep fry them, and people are going nuts over deep fried green beans. Okay, so these deep fried, now is this a breaded deep fried? No. This no? is drop them in the fryer for about 45 seconds. Just salt, pepper, crunch, garlic, dude. leave the crunch. They wilt a little. Wow. And they taste amazing. That's awesome. Creativity at its best, and it turns into something amazing. That's what happens when you run out of food on a line on a busy <laughs> right. night. You got to improvise. Do? I don't have time to saute green beans for the seven orders I've got in the window. No, drop them in the fryer. Drop them in the fryer, and we served them, and people went crazy. And they've been we've been doing them that way ever since. Yeah, I have a lot of those. A uh, note to self, you know. There's a ton of that. So, and, and we even do like we do boudin egg rolls. Okay, which is a a, a pretty unique. Definitely. Is that on your appetizer? I'm guessing that's your yeah, appetizer Yeah, it's an appetizer. List. It's two good-sized egg rolls, and then we do a spicy ranch for that, which we take ranch dressing that we make our own scratch ranch. That's and fantastic. And we add hot sauce to it. You and, know, uh, you had mentioned to me, and I want to play off of this because I think you deserve kudos for this. You know, chefs sometimes and people in the, in the food industry, in the kitchen industry, it can be really, really simple and easy to fall into sort of a lull of, well, I need to do it faster. I need to do it cheaper. Um, particularly in big food on my end, on my end of town, you know what I do, I see it a lot where people end up sacrificing time and speed and budget for quality of product. Mm -hmm. And they end up taking sort of a second seat to the quality side. And a lot of things coming out of cans. I know you were telling me just in it, just in the passion that was coming out of your voice when you were talking about what you make, that a lot of things are from scratch. And we always joke about, well, where do you buy scratch at? But it's the truth. I mean, where did those products come from? Talk to us about something else. You, you said that you have the banana pudding that's sort of a signature dish. Anything else that's a signature dish? And, I, and by the way, I heard about your fried chicken. I heard that it wasn't even technically really supposed to be such a big deal, and it became huge. It does. We, run, we, we do fried chicken Fridays, and we run them once or twice a month, just you know, depending on where it's at. But we do a leg and a thigh because I'm a dark meat guy, and right. I think that's how you should eat. Breast should stay off the fried chicken <laughs> menu unless it's a boneless chicken fried chicken. Right. It should have a bone in it. And you're breading all of this by hand. We bread it all by hand. We, we brine it for 48 hours in our secret brine that we use. And I'm not going to talk about that. Right. It has salt and pepper. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's much. salt and pepper. And I guess it has some water in there. Right? It does not have any water. No. No water whatsoever. Oh, wow. I'm surprised. So, okay. Yeah, no. That is a secret. So it's a non-traditional brine. Very non. Um, okay. But we, we do it and we generally sell 40 plus pounds of leg and thigh Wow! Um, on a Friday afternoon and Friday day and night are, are, are open to close, I should say. I think part of, the, part of the magic of running a kitchen like that is figuring out how to judge what your crowd is going to be come and go, you know? Yeah, because I have one little freezer. I don't keep much in it. You have um, to balance all of that. We do. You know, it's funny because I'm, I'm so passionate about what comes out of the kitchen and where it comes from. And, you know, our, our poor boy bread, we do a fried shrimp poor boy and we do a black and redfish poor boy. Sure. Our bread comes from Gambino's. That's awesome. We wouldn't want to make you hangry. You make Hulk hangry. We don't like you when you're hangry. Hulk fight now. More great food is on the way. You're listening to Bayou City Eats with Chef Brantley Still on Vinyl Draft Radio. My name is Brantley Still, Chef Brantley Still from Bayou City Event Center. 
I want to give a shout out to uh, my company and thank them for sponsoring this radio program. Giving myself a break out of the kitchen is a great thing. And even better to get to talk to local chefs. So we've got a big weekend coming up, Veterans Day weekend. Chris, when we left off, we were talking about great product, doing things from scratch. Talk to us about how you have embraced the community and vice versa. You've bought this restaurant. You were already a chef there, so you had a reputation going. Talk to us about that transition and what kinds of things you've been involved with with the community um, we, we do a, we try to be involved as much as possible. Um, we're a super proud supporter of CCISD, so we do a, we do some uh, advertising with them awesome. um, for all their playoff games. We we try to help Chef's Tables coming up, um, which was started by Chef Mary Bass. Um, Talk to so us about that a little bit for anybody who's not aware of that. They um, they they're she's just started this charity group, and it's kind of blown up a little and she's an amazing chef local chef somebody else you need to probably have on that's a good um, idea thank you yeah she's she's really good she's uh she's been around in this area a long time and um she's just trying to help the communities out during harvey she did a lot of work and stuff and now she has chef table charities um which has been something that we were donating gift cards to they do a big tree and they'll have all kinds of gift cards on it for people to donate on and so forth so but i was really impressed having gone through harvey to see the restaurateurs and the chefs and the organizations that pulled their forces and use their passion use their talent to feed people and i think a lot of people get hung up on well you're a chef maybe you're supposed to do all this fancy food and and trust me i know this is not going to be strange news to you how many times have you ever cooked for someone for a group or hey everybody bring a dish oh but we can't keep up with you i mean chris you're a chef you know yeah so don't judge our food but that's kind of the least of what we're thinking i mean we want to be included in something like that whether it be a community event or a dinner party it's the passion of just taking food and watching people enjoy it so giving back to the community being involved is is an awesome point it's great for the communities, great for your business, gets people in the door. Uh, this weekend coming up is Veterans Weekend. Don't forget that. Don't forget to thank our veterans. It was. Uh, it's going to be Sunday. I believe that's the, what did I tell you? Is that the 6th or the 8th? What day is that? That, that is Sunday the, the 8th. Num- November 8th? Or 11th. 11th, okay. And uh, I'm sure there is lots and lots of talk and fanfare about uh, veterans specials. Talk to us about um, your take on veterans, first responders, that kind of thing. We um, we really take to heart when, when our first responders come in, our veterans come in. And if they let us know, we generally buy them dessert. We'll give them 10% off their meal. Um, for Veterans Day, we do uh, Sunday. We do a Zydeco Sunday brunch. Oh, fantastic. And we've got some crazy. So we do See, it. that's a big secret right there, brunches. Brunches are huge. We love it. And our brunch business is picking back up, which is great. Um, it's nice because we can be open and I get a little more time with each of the, the customers when I'm in there cooking. Um, my chef Rodney, like I talked about, right. he and I trade off Sundays and I still pop in and have a cup of coffee and walk around and check with people. And, sure. You know, you, you really, when you own a restaurant, you, you live there. To. Yeah, you live there, but you need to. I mean, that's like an extended family. And yeah. I'll tell you personally, and then sort of one of the other things that we find that makes that experience i don't think people are just coming to eat anymore right no they're coming for an experience and i would bet that one of the highest things on their list 
is to feel like they belong. Yeah. To feel like they can come in and be waved at by a wait staff person or the front of the house manager or you as the chef. If they're coming consistently and they're investing their money into your food and into your restaurant and they get that kind of a response, that is a great, great avenue. That's worth its weight in gold. Um, that personal touch makes somebody feel like instead of just the restaurant, hey, it's my restaurant. Right. Hey, you guys got to come out to my restaurant. This place where I eat is fantastic. Talk to us a little bit about that. You have a, a response to the to the community we've talked about. You have the family connection. And now we have the, the client or the guest connection. You get to actually visit with those folks. Do you find that people are, are receptive to that if you come to the table? Oh, very much. I mean, I've made some amazing friends at this restaurant since since we opened in March. And um, I do things. We go out and have fun and go out and, well, they have cocktails. I'm, I'm a recovering alcoholic, so I don't drink anymore. Good for you. Uh, Stay strong. That's great. <clears throat> so a little over five years. That's awesome. Congratulations. Uh, but we'll, we'll all go out. I get to be the designated driver, which is great when I get those Friday nights off. And, and, but it's going out and looking at the joy, just like you said, when I can go out there and somebody says, man, this is the best chicken fried chicken I've ever eaten in my life. That's it. Yep. That's what we do this for. That's what I strive for with every single table that comes into that restaurant. I want them to have the best experience in my little 36-seat restaurant that they they could go have at any other restaurant out there. That's it. And I want them to know it's all done with fresh food. You know, we 95% of the items that come out of our kitchen don't come out of a package or a freezer. Right. Um you know, we make our sauces, we make our gravies, we make our grits. Our grits we bring in from South Carolina, and they're gold grits. And it takes an hour and a half to make our grits. Yeah. And people don't realize that they're, it's not cream of wheat. It's no. not that stuff like <laughs> cream not, of wheat that comes out of a instant. box. Yeah. These are 50-pound bags that we bring in Absolutely. You know, every other week to make our grits with heavy cream and smoked uh, talk, talk to Talk to me about that because I want to compare notes on, on the process. Are, when you are doing that, are you simply using water with them or are you adding profiles and flavors while you're cooking them? You're working with the starches that are coming for thickening and making it creamy. Yes. What's, what's your take on that? So. We don't use just water. We, we use equal parts heavy cream and water. Okay. Uh, and then we add salt and pepper and garlic because just because they're grits doesn't mean they don't need flavor. Absolutely. And I think a lot, of the pl- a lot of times when people think grits, they think the white grits that you get with breakfast instead of hash browns. Right. These ain't your mama's grits. <laughs> these, right. are, these are, you know, like I said, when, when you get a true traditional grit like this, it's an hour plus to right. make sure they get tender and they thicken up and we use smoked gouda in ours so we try to bring a oh, different brother, tank I'm on them. hungry i'm getting hungry right now and then you put on those jumbo shrimp that we get locally from rosa's seafood down in Kima, and so you've got six big jumbo shrimp and we finish it with peppers and onions and uh, bacon and then our hot sauce aioli oh man on top i can do the shrimp i can do the bacon i'm just gonna have to cheat on my keto and come down and have your grits it sounds fantastic and they're gluten-free and they're gluten-free that's it people don't realize that either i guess you know it's funny i'm poking fun of myself i don't know how many times i've said people don't realize and that's amazing (laughs) <laughs> yeah, really be careful. Yeah. I keep saying that's amazing. That's awesome. I sound like that. What was that funny show? I can't remember now. I'm not even going to go there, but I got to count how many times it's going to become a radio joke. How many times I say amazing. Amazing. That's one of my favorite <laughs> words. 
But, uh, uh, well, it just goes back to the passion. You know, I, my, my personal story in there, you and I touched base a little bit about sort of a, a little note towards and a little head nod towards the early days. And in my career, I started anywhere I could. Um, I don't have the brick and mortar restaurant yet, and I'm excited that you are there and have that and are experiencing that. Talk to me a little bit about, and I know we're just going to tippy-toe around it because we don't have a lot of time in this segment for it, but I know that you're kind of famous for a burger. Do you still have great burgers on the menu at the restaurant? Tell us about that. Yeah, we absolutely do. We've got a we've got my daughter's Allie's Burger because that burger. was always her favorite. All right, uh, and then we've got a make your own burger, and you can pick toppings, and we'll put jalapeno gravy on it for you if you want. That we'll sounds put peppers fantastic. and onions and bacon and and all of that. But yeah, I mean, I I, owned, I was a business partner and, and chef on a chef's tr- on a food truck for about two years. Um, that's tough work, man. I don't care what anybody says. That's tough. It's brutal because the only thing you have is that little four uh, foot by eight foot kitchen it. to work in. Well, my kitchen's not much bigger than that anymore, so I'm accustomed <laughs> to it by this exactly. point. But, you know, we had a really successful food truck and uh, things happen and, you know, I've got a brick and mortar now. There you go. But Everything's we for buy the all of our burgers come from Stanton's and Alvin's. They grind for us. Yep. And we pick them up fresh. That's so an awesome butcher shop down there. It is. It's an amazing butcher shop. And, I, and, and I don't even know. How many, how many years have they been around? They've been around forever. I lived long, in Alvin for a long time. Long, long time. Yeah. And, and Jody, the, the head butcher over there, is a great guy. And I call him and, you know, here's my order. And That's we family do, right there. That's family business. Right it there. absolutely is. Fam- that's family business. At the, family at the serving the family in this yeah. case. Because you're continuing the tradition of carrying on your family recipes. Yeah. Reaching out. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, we go in there and we get our, and all of our burgers are fresh ground brisket, untrimmed, cube it up, throw it in your grinder, wait it out for me. And I go pick them up. And so awesome. you are getting a hundred percent Texas ground brisket every time there again. Okay. Everyone listening who's on keto, you can go have an amazing brisket burger at Southern boy. That's another one I'm going to have to put on my to-do list. Absolutely. That's fantastic. And do they got, still have the grocery store? It was yeah. It was the whole grocery store, the hardware, hardware store, store, and the butcher shop, yeah. right? Everything is still there. And, and I'm trying to remember, do they smoke some of their own meats? I think they do too? a ton of smoked meats and yeah. homemade sausages and all of that. So. I can remember the first time I went into Stanton's and they had a sort of a breakfast bar corner kind of thing in there by the grocery store. Yep. And I promise, I promise the, the gentlemen sitting on the stools have been sitting there for 50 years, probably. Oh, they, they probably but have. that is that old timey family tradition that it's just hard to find anymore. So I'm yeah. excited to hear that you're carrying some of those qualities and thoughts and emotions into your food and into the restaurant and carrying that on. Finding local supplies is what makes your restaurant personal and special and a reason why people should come out and visit it. Talk to me a little bit about how people can find you. Sure. They can go on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. All of them are at Southern Boy, and Boy is spelled B-O-I, Cafe. Um, They can come to the restaurant at 109 Meadow Parkway, where we're at the entrance to Meadow Bend. Okay. We're between Clear, Clear, Clear Creek High School and South Shore Boulevard. Okay. Um, there's a Valero gas station. There's a little strip center behind it. We're right there. Or they can call the restaurant at 281-339-7106. Give them that one more time in case they need to find something to write it down with. 281-339-7106. And that's Southern Boy Cafe. Now, you just t- touched on something, and I, w- I want to tip you toe around that, too. BOI, I was guessing that that's born on the island. Correct. What's the story there? Um, that was the previous owner. 
he was born on Galveston or born on Island. And that's gotcha. where that came from. Um, carrying on that tradition and trying to carry that on for him as well. That's so awesome. I wasn't born on the Island. I was born on Illinois. Does that work? <laughs> that's what I was. <laughs> it almost worked. There you go. I know, I'm trying uh, you can pull it off. Yeah. Just, to, just about. So that's what I tell everybody when they come in, if they want to know my story and if, Oh, you're from Louisiana or you're from the Galveston. No, but right. We sure cook like we are. Sure. Cook like it. You did finally come home to Texas. That's right. So uh, upcoming events, anything upcoming that the the public needs to know about? Are you going to be anywhere where they can follow you or try anything? I'm kind of putting you on the spot there with that, but I got to look at check, check the social media. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, That's what it's all about. He was tapping away when we were getting set up in here, letting everybody know he's going on the show. I'm excited about that. We're appreciative of that because we want all of you. I'm going to segue while he's looking there. I'm going to talk to you, our listeners, too. And just thank you for tuning in today. I hope you like the show and the direction that it's going. Once again, uh, stay in touch. Keep listening. We'll be on every Thursday at 2 in the afternoon. Just about that time, you're getting hungry for the weekend. But we also want to know your suggestions, your recommendations, who we need to talk to. Uh, Chris has already dropped a couple names for me here that I can look up, and we can go from there. Um, back to the food truck story, and did you find anything we needed to let the listeners know about? No, up? the big thing is the right brunch. now with uh, just come to brunch. brunch. Come to come brunch every to brunch. Sunday, Zydeco music, 10 to 2, donut burgers. Donut burgers, wait a minute. Yeah. The record just skipped there. Tell me about donut burgers. So we get fresh glazed donuts, and we crisp them on the flat top. And so the glaze gets real crunchy. And I don't know about you, but I'm a textural eater. Yes. It can look as pretty as can be, but if there's no texture to it, it just doesn't do it. It just doesn't do it. So you get a crunch on that glaze hardens up on the flat top. And we take one of our six ounce fresh ground brisket burgers. It is. That's all. And that's about what it is. So. Uh, and then we take sharp cheddar cheese, bacon, and a burger and put it between two donuts. So the whole donuts, you're not halving them. You're actually taking no, the whole donuts. No, this is two donuts whole donuts. On the flat top, searing the, the bottom sides. Both sides. And then making uh, the buns. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Talk about sweet and savory at the same time. Yeah. And I can feel my heart just pumping in my chest. And then you can add a fried egg to it. That makes it even better. It's like the greatest breakfast sandwich you can ever eat. What are the the hours of brunch? Man, I'm digging the whole brunch idea. I've got to come check it out. We are open from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. every Sunday. Um, So come in. And like I said, we'll have some of our traditional favorites on there. We do shrimp and grits. And we do our chicken fried chicken. But we do it with scrambled eggs and home fries which awesome. we make in-house. Awesome. Our French fries are all hand-cut in-house. Our sweet potato hash, our fresh sweet potatoes, we cut in-house. Um, the peppers, the onions, we, we literally do everything in-house. Do you have, uh, you have mentioned one of your chefs already. Tell us about the rest of your team. And just from an inside track, let's help people understand what exactly it looks like a day in the kitchen. Because you're, you're talking about a lot of prep work, a lot of mise en place getting put together even before the first customer walks in the door. So what does the day look like? Where does it start? Um, I'm, I, I drop my daughter off at school at 645. I'm at the restaurant by 7. I go through, get what I need, go to the store, pick up extra supplies. Um, and from that point, it's prep all morning. I'm there. Um, <laughs> till uh, whenever. <laughs> till death do us part. Yep. There um, you go. <clears throat> but uh, I'm there every morning. N- 95 percent of the time i get every other sunday off which i'm still generally i pop into the restaurant restaurant. but uh i do days and then my chef uh rodney does nights 
Do you have a prep cook that works for you as well? Or it's no, just we you do guys, it all. Right? It's just it Rodney all. and I. We do it all in the kitchen. Wow, the Rodney and Chris and Rodney show. That's awesome. That's what it is. You know, the other thing that too that, that we were joking about earlier on the break is that you never know what is going to get thrown your way, what wrench is going to come into the system. We joke in my kitchen about which oven decided to show up for work today because out of the eight ovens that we have, I can almost always guarantee you that when I need them all, one will not show up for work. Oh, one will not you. come on. And it, that just kind of goes to the whole comedy of errors, the life of being in a kitchen. Yeah. Because ultimately, you are the owner. You are the whole, the whole everything of the restaurant. The chef, the, the mechanic, the fix this, fix that guy. Ultimately, it all falls on your shoulders. So day, day done, you've cooked, you've cleaned, you've fixed, you've, right? Am I right? Yeah, or, I mean, that, that's virtually it. You've slipped and torn something in your knee and don't have time to go to the doctor. You've you knocked know, your you head have. on the pots and pans and turned around and looked, where is my... Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. You've thrown probably three or four things at some of your staff. No, I don't throw anything. I really don't. <laughs> not but, anymore. Uh, not anymore after this comment. But yeah. uh, no, I don't throw anything. But, right. you know, th- there are so many trials and tribulations in, in this industry, and it, it can be feast or famine. Absolutely. You know, you can have two weeks that are amazing and then have a week where there's so much stuff going on in town that it's dead half the week. And yeah. you're going, well, crap, I'm not getting a paycheck, but my employees are paid. Absolutely. And, and that's what, you know, I think also... Uh, a big part of owning a restaurant is that there is so much heart and soul for the chefs, the owners of these restaurants, whether the owner is a chef or not, Mm -hmm. the money that goes into it, the bills that have to get paid, the taxes, the payroll taxes. Sometimes people look at it and they go, well, this menu item is really expensive. Well, it takes us three hours to make, you know, right. It takes time to drive and get the shrimp. It takes time to to get the grits (laughs) and, you know, you got to go to another place to get your cheese and, and so, you know, I always try to preach when people ask, why, why is our pricing where it is? Yeah, that value sale. That, you where know, is the value in this meal? And, and here it is. Yeah, and, and that's what Here's it is. Here's the roadmap to a the delicious. Labor. Yeah, that, this is how you get there. You yeah. know, we, we could pull everything out of a package and have an okay item, or we can do everything scratch, and it may cost a dollar a plate more than the next person down the street. Yeah. And it's disappointing that there is a such a large group of diners, let's just say a large group of diners, that have been become complacent to accepting status quo. So that when they do come into a restaurant where there's the passion and the love and all of the things that go into making a meal, an item, one item, not to mention every item that you have on your offering, but one item. I would encourage those guests and those diners to think about what they've heard today. Think about what you as a person, as a chef, as a father, as a supporter of that whole little solar system of people, if you will, what you've had to go through in order to put that amazing plate in front of them. And I hope that they would appreciate that. And as we're wrapping up the show, you know, we touched a little bit on where you can find Chris on social media. I would just encourage our listeners to Use social media, support these restaurants, support these chefs. Think about what you post before you post them because, you know, we have to kind of live and die by our last meal. And we may have had an off day. We may have had that burn, kick your, knock your head, drop the this, the car won't start kind of morning. I would just encourage you to think about that. Go out and support your local restaurants. 
As we wrap up the show today, I want to thank you so much for listening. Chris, awesome to meet you. Great to have you here. You got my commitment. I'm definitely going to come out and have some grits with you. Appreciate that. If nothing else, I got to come bust the bust my (laughs) keto and have some have some grits. Once again, this is uh, Chris Anstead, chef and owner of Southern Boy Cafe, 109 Meadow Parkway in League City, Texas. That's 77573. He can be reached at 281-339-7106. Go check him out. Don't forget Sunday brunch. That's a great spot for you to take your friends, your significant other. Go check it out. And again, I want to put a big thank you out to Bayou City Event Center. Bayou City Event Center, the largest privately owned event venue in the city of Houston. 9401 Knight Road, Houston, Texas. Check them out at BayouCityEventCenter.com. Bayou City Eats is sponsored by Bayou City Event Center. With over 53,000 square feet of customizable event space, Bayou City Event Center is the perfect space to plan your next event and can customize and personalize your menu. Call 281-501-6720, go to BayouCityEventCenter.com, or find us on Instagram and Facebook at Bayou City Event Center. Bayou City Eats is a Final Draft Radio production. And I'm starving.